Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're talking about how to live in the days when godlessness is on the rise. And uh, Brother Ray's uh, prayer could not be more on point. What does it say about your old man brain when I tell you where to turn and then I forget where I'm going? That's a, that's a, what does that say about me? I don't know. Maybe we should pray again for me. Uh, no, I, I'm here. If you're there, say you're there. Amen. Praise the Lord. These are the days when believers are becoming unbelievers. People are publicly falling away. People are disavowing long-standing doctrines of the church. People are engaging in behavior that is, that is condemned specifically in the Word of God. And uh, yet we gather here and we open this book because we are people of the book, right? We are people of the book. We open this book because the book contains life. Let us not forget that the book contains our life. We are people of the book. We, we serve the God of the book. The God of the book hasn't changed. I said the God of the book hasn't changed. He's up to the task. And so we're here today to look into the book to find out what the Spirit would say to us about the God of the book and how we should live according to the book so that we can get the blessings that are recorded and prophesied over us in the book. Amen? Amen. So we're in the book. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome You into this place to come and search our hearts. Use the Word today to search our hearts and to hold us in conviction and to inspire us and to encourage us and to beat away the discouragement that comes upon our hearts when we live in a world where men and women are killing each other and where people are fighting against the truth of Your Word, Lord. Convict our spirit, Lord God. Help us to live according to Your Word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about training. Training day is the name of the message. We're talking about training ourselves. And you know, training is not something I'm an expert at. I know that you're surprised by that looking at my body type. But training is, 
training is not something I'm an expert at, but I've read about it a little bit. Paul's talking about training for godliness. He's warning against these godless myths, these silly, or, or uh, it could be translated silly, or these, these old wives' tales. And we think, we don't, we, really, we don't know what he's talking about. He defines them a little bit. We'll look at that in a minute. But uh, we don't know exactly what particular thing that he was aiming at. But, there, but there's something in there that's turning. There's something in there that, that is, is a turning the congregation that Paul is concerned about. And he's warning them, stay away from these godless myths, these silly myths, these old wives' tales. And, uh, you know, you think, well, that's... Crazy, we're in the 21st century. We don't have any of those myths in our century, do we? But really, we do. We have all kinds of stuff that people believe. People in here believe certain things. There's people in here who believe in the mysteries of the pyramids. Yep. People right in here in this this room believe in the mysteries of the pyramids. A couple of us believe in Sasquatch. It's not funny. If he was big and walked out on you, you'd, you'd be freaked out too. Some of us believe in the curse of the Kennedys. We have all kinds of modern myths that we hold on to. And people talk about that. And, you know, another Kennedy died this week, and the first thing that comes through my mind is the curse of the Kennedys. You know, the idea that there that there's this, this, but these are all things that we're told that are just these silly myths and things that probably are too deep for us to figure out, and we're never going to figure out why those kinds of things, mixture of, you know, uh, nature and nurture and demonic stuff and the spirit of, uh, of, of murder on, our, on our, our nation and all these things that are involved. By the way, it, in our world, in our nation, I hear these people talking about gun confiscation. Can I just save you your breath? Gun confiscation in America will never happen. You know why? Because the only way to make that happen is to go door to door and confiscate the zillions of weapons that are in our nation. So let's save our breath and not go around that with every shooting and instead work to change the hearts of people who are so filled with hate that they can't handle a gun. And you say, are you picking a side in the debate? I've already picked my side. If you know me, you know my, my side. But the issue of, of that is not picking sides. It's just practicality. It's not going to happen. I don't care what all these zillion people that are running for office tell you, they are not going to be able to get all the guns. And even if you and I, any gun holder in this place complies with that, all the good people go turn in their guns, who didn't turn them in? All the bad people! Now you're completely unarmed with all the bad people running around with guns because they didn't turn them in. And now you create a new class of people who are going to be, going to be oppressed because they want to protect themselves. And there'll be good people who just wanted to have a firearm in their home to protect themselves against some marauder that would come in in the middle of the night, who are now doing time in jail because we're trying to address an 
issue of the human heart by legislation. You cannot legislate love. It's the truth. You cannot legislate love. If Congress passes a bill and says everyone must love one another, there will be people who don't do it. So stop being silly. Don't buy into these useless myths that are being sold to us. We get our, our hand wringing and we're all fighting. Look, I don't want to see people killed in the streets. I, don't want to, I want to be, have it to be safe to go to the mall. It's expensive enough to go in there as it is. And now we're going to have to pay for armed guards to escort us in to go buy shoes at Payless. So the issue for us is we have to be practical. What we need to do. Your neighbor, you know what do they always say about your neighbor? No. Love your neighbor. What's the scripture tells us to love our neighbor? What is it? Script? What, what, what every shooting? They interview some guy who lived next to the guy who was, and it's a white guy all the time who's shooting people, by the way. Right? Why are, what are the, what's happening to white people? Are they nuts? And they live this quiet life, and people say, I, you know, there's no sign that he was having murderous thoughts towards all his neighbors. It's crazy. But I've never heard a neighbor say, you know, I was preaching the gospel to him. Right? If, if you reach out to your neighbor and you try to find out if they've got a screw loose a little bit, you can talk to them about Jesus and try to find out maybe they're a little wacky. Maybe you want to put the house up for sale. <laughs> right? Like, hey, you know, I hope he gets saved and we're going to get lost. That's what we're going <laughs> to Let's be practical. I know that you know what's coming today in the news. You know what's coming. All the hand wringing about all the guns. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, friends. So let's not, let's just avoid the conversation altogether and work on the issue. The issue is the human heart. Men and women, just like you and I, and maybe a couple of us in here, need to come to the altar of Christ and surrender the hate that's in our heart. And quit blaming somebody because of the color of their skin. Quit blaming somebody because of, of where they come from for your own issues. Now this isn't even part of my message, but this is for free. So you can say, Pastor gave me something for free today. We just need to settle in on what God is asking us to do. Quit pursuing godless, silly myths. And let's go after what God has for us. Let's be trained. Let's be trained. For some of us, that's not even a, a concept. We come to church to be entertained, not trained. Oh, I hope that the pastor has a good word and he has a couple funny jokes in there and I hope he can keep me entertained. I hope he doesn't. I hope he kicks your butt. I hope you leave church today and you say, I am never going back to that place until I'm serious about Jesus Christ. Because they are so serious about Jesus in that place. They're trying to be trained into men and women of God. It's, it's, you, know, you don't learn the Bible by slipping it under your pillow any more than you learn algebra by slipping it under your pillow. You don't become a Christian by sitting next to one in church one hour a week. You have to train yourself 
to be godly. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying we have to train ourselves for godliness. The doctrines of demons that are all around us. The things that are pulling us away from pursuing God. The things that are just bring mountains of discouragement upon us. Those things are things we have to do battle with. Paul talks about the things here. The people were, were forbidding in marriage. These false teachers. They, they were rejecting certain foods. Oh, why is it, what is it? With false teachers, always want your hamburger. What is that? I don't understand. Just leave my burger out of this. Paul is very serious about this. He says, listen, these people are forbidding you to eat certain foods. They're forbidding, uh, they're forbidding a, a, the, the issue of marriage. I don't know if this is talking specifically about celibacy or just some kind of weird asceticism where people don't, don't uh, uh, it all do what it would be natural in the in the human race to 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 get together and be married. I don't. I just don't understand what he's talking about. We don't. We don't have enough information here. But I do know. We know one thing. That stuff doesn't work. All that forbidding, all that jamming people into it. It doesn't work. These things he says are taught by hypocritical liars, people who say one thing and do another thing personally. Now we need to be careful pointing our finger like that. Because we'll say to our children sometimes, you just do what I tell you. Don't worry about what I do. And they're not worried about what you do, but they see what you do. And you're not fooling anybody. Not anybody who's close to you anyway. Wonderful part of this verse where he says, this is just such a beautiful, beautiful verse. Verse 7 have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Isn't that beautiful? God wants us to enjoy our life. Anyway, we need to be aware of the stuff, the, the, the junk, the silly myths that are around in our culture. Not Sasquatch, I'm not worried about that. He might be real. I don't know. I just pray that he gets saved. Imagine that guy walking into service and coming to the altar right there. Sasquatch gets saved in Berwyn, Illinois. I want a picture of me standing right here with Sasquatch right here. Me handing him a new Bible. Imagine, not those myths, but the disinformation that's being pumped into our society. Philip Townsend writes this. He says, Christians ought to understand clearly the trends of thought that are influencing their society and the values of that society. We need to understand the other side of the issue. Right? Not the biblical worldview as much as the anti-biblical worldview. And there's a lot in our society that's like that. The earth will not last forever. I can't believe it. The earth will not last forever. 
forever. Even if you have a Prius. Even if you go solar. The earth will not last forever. But this is the planet we're giving to our children. Well, that's your first problem. What you need to be doing with your children, preparing them to be citizens of heaven. That's the most important thing. Because you're handing used, a used earth to your children. I forget. Uh, what is a song came to my mind just a second ago. Went in there for a little bit and then danced around and then left. From the 70s. Don't give me no hand-me-down love. Don't give me no hand-me-down world. I got one already. They were chirping about this in the 70s. This used world that we have. Now here we are, 50 years later. 50 years later. And you're still surprised that the earth isn't going to live forever. But the world will get your panties in a knot. Oh, I shouldn't have said panties. I promise I wouldn't do that. There, I just said it again. I don't... I don't... I apologize to all those who are offended by women's undergarments. The world will try to get you all stirred up about this. Why? Because we've got to have a crisis, friends. We've got to have a crisis. Because if we don't have a crisis to fight, then we'll have to look in the mirror. And if we look in the mirror, we'll recognize that the real crisis is in the soul of the human being who's looking back at you. And when we look at that soul that's looking back at us, we recognize there's a whole bunch of work that needs to be done and that dude that's looking back at me in the mirror. But if the world has fallen to pieces, then I can get all worked up about that. I, don't, I saw this thing on Facebook. I, was, I, I passed it on. I try not to make any political stuff on Facebook because I offended somebody and they left the church because I was so political. Bless that guy, Lord. And so, but, but I, oh, I, I, I have to draw the line when it comes to life. When it comes to life, I'll stand up when it comes to the issue of abortion and being pro-life and that. And so I, I, I said, and this thing came up and it showed the, the, the penalty for, you know, uh, destroying an eagle before it's born. Some of you saw this? Yeah. The, 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 the penalty for destroying a sea turtle before it's born, right? No penalty for human beings. What is wrong with that in America? Oh, I'm on my anti-America kick today. I just forgot to tell you that. No, what's wrong with that? There has been some doctrine of demon that has said that animals are more important to us than human beings. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you. Animals aren't even as important as human beings. How do I know that? Because God said it's okay to eat 
the animal. And he, he never said it's okay to eat your kin. Right? Can't eat your neighbor. Right? Can't go fight a war and eat those people. But you can eat an animal. Right? God said that. That's the order of humanity. Any preacher who tells you that animals are equal to humans is lying or doesn't know what he's talking about. The Bible is very clear. The animals didn't name us. We named the animals. Right? But the world has that all twisted around. And so, all that stuff, you say, well, that's just a little thing. Those things are subtle. And they tweak our, our understanding of our neighbors. Now, I'm not saying that we Christians have it all together because we don't because we're in here, yeah, amen, all that evangelism talk. And then we go out here and we come back in a week and we haven't told a single soul about Jesus. So all that chirping about how important it is to tell somebody about Jesus, somebody in here today needs to say, if I'm going to be a person who's a godly person, I need to be telling other people about Jesus. Oh, but pastor... They don't want to hear about Jesus. I totally get it. Trust me. It's not a pleasant thing. But, there is nothing more joyful than when you tell someone, they go, really? God loves me? There is something that changes on the inside of you that makes you want to share that and be rejected a thousand more times so that you can have the joy of just one more person. Opening their heart to the Lord. Train yourself to be godly. Wow, what a powerful, powerful verse. Train yourself to be godly. Well, we're here in this passage trying to figure out why the world is so messed up. Physical training and spiritual training have some things together that, that are, at least to my understanding, close. Physical training, I hate it. I know there's some people, some people say, oh, I just get such a buzz out of running. Stacy, is Stacy here? Stacy gets a buzz out of running. She just runs. Woo! I'm so high on endorphins and whatever it is. I don't know. It seems unnatural to me. <laughs> I've told her many times, no one is chasing you, girl. Just stop and walk. But she insists on running. I do not want to run. In fact, I would rather, if, if someone is chasing me, I will stop running and turn around and fight. I'd rather fight. I'll get a couple good licks in before I get killed, you know, because I, I, I don't want to run. I hate running. I hate physical exercise. Now, I, 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 it's not my friend. I don't like it. There's nothing about physical training that I like. There are times when I go to bed and I, and I say to myself, tomorrow, <laughs> well, you know where that goes, tomorrow I will wake up and put on special shoes that I have for run walking. And I will, I will go do that in the neighborhood. And I've, I do it sometimes. You know, I do it a couple miles a day sometimes. But... But it's more fun to buy the shoes than it is to actually do the running. I mean, it's like you get caught up in like, well, you know, I've been in the mall today for an hour and I picked myself out some shoes and a nice pair of shorts and a t-shirt and I'm ready to go 
tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll do it. Physical training has some value, the Scripture says. Some value. Not completely useless. If you think about it, what keeps us beautiful, all of our standards of beauty are health. Right? We, we, we want to see healthy people and we think healthy is beautiful. You know, Celine Dion doesn't look healthy to me. Just being honest. If she was here, I'd say, girl, eat a cheeseburger. That's a, I, she doesn't look healthy to me. She does, you know, she, I saw a picture of her in a swimsuit the other day and I was like, we need to pray for her. Because there's nothing left of her. She had a stressful life, I get it. But So we, we have to understand what the world is selling us. And then recognize what, it, what, what comes out of this physical training. Our health. Our strength. If I, if I walked more, if I exercised more, I would be healthier. I would be stronger. I would be able to be more vivacious. I would pre, could preach longer. I could... Just threw, just threw that in. I, I'd be more beautiful. Hard to imagine. But also, physical training can be an idol. Right? Right. Spiritual training, or godliness, as the Scripture calls it. Well, I think that can, at times is just as unenjoyable as running. Reading Leviticus. Running. Reading Leviticus and running. Maybe... I could read Leviticus, have someone read it to me while I'm running, and then I would just be fully miserable and I could get the blessing of Job on my life. I don't know. Just, just, there are some things that are not as inspiring as others. Yeah, there's those good verses in Philippians that tell you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are great verses. But then there's Leviticus. You know, and then you just... What was that verse that you taught on the other day and you quoted, it came out of Leviticus? Stumbling block. The stumbling block. The term stumbling block, Pastor Seth told us, comes from Leviticus. And it's, it's a rock that people would put in front of blind people. The Bible had to say to someone, don't put a big rock in front of a blind person. Think about that. I think the world's just as broken now as it was back then. But even now, we don't like, well, let's trip the blind guy. Nobody really says that. But that's where that came from. That's, that's a practical passage of Scripture. So when we're... When we're listening to this, we, we, we have to understand what God is trying to say to us. Training for godliness means to invest yourself even in something that you don't want to do because of who you are. I don't feel like you're buying what I'm selling today. Godliness means having a grasp of the doctrines of the church. The earth will be destroyed in a flaming fire. 
No amount of saving it is ever going to happen. Likely it will happen in spite of all the efforts to, to make the earth list, list, uh, exist forever. The, the earth will be destroyed. I know that. My doctrine tells me that's what I expect to happen. So I'm not surprised by the fact that these things are happening in our world around us. Knowing what you believe and knowing why you believe it is important. And knowing that these eternal things that we talk about in church are the most important things in our life. Eternal, eternal things are the most important thing. My life has a shelf date. I don't know when that date is, but my life has a shelf date, and I, after that, I'm no good. I can't be revived. I can't be brought back. I have to, when, when God punches my number, I'm done. All the days that were written for me, that were assigned to me, are written in His book. God doesn't go, Dave, what are you doing here in heaven? You're early. God never says that to anyone. In millennia that He's been God, He's never said that. So if we understand that, that God has this life of ours in our hands, it creates something powerful in us. It creates a trust in us. If it's all up to me, then we need to worry. I mean, to be godly means to know what you believe and why you believe, and it means to practice that. It means to not worry. I remember when my kids were little and they were just learning to ride a bike. And my wife was just a wreck about that. And I think it was Matthew was riding down the street on this bike. You know, you get them, you know how you do, do it with kids. You get them started, then you just kind of shove them on and say, okay, life's tough. Let's see what happens to you here. You know, it's like, right? Because that's what you do. You can't run, right? Yeah, my dad did have a heart attack. I'm not running all the way down the block with you. I'm jeopardizing my life. You know, you just ride down the block. Go see what, the, see what happens. Turn around the corner. Come back the other direction. And he went for a while, and he was going, and then for a while, and then wham, right into, right, first time, right into a hedge. He was like, oh man, I got all these stickers and stuff in me. I'm like, you're going to be thanking God for them stickers because you're not always going to have hedge there to catch you. Put him on again, shove him around. He rides his bike. Boom! He falls in, onto the concrete. Comes up bloody. That's okay. We wipe it up a little bit. Get on. We're going to keep doing. Send him out again. This time he's, he's, he's trying harder. Why? Because there's death on either side. You're balancing on two wheels. It's, it's, I didn't realize this, how, this was supposed to be fun. Now it's death-defying. You know? so, but eventually he gets it down. This life lesson that lasts forever. They say you can't forget how to ride a bike. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they say. You always know how to ride a bike, right? That one lesson you're investing in your child, you're running up and down the street, you're sending them out, and they're getting bloodied and beat up. And The one time he went over the handlebars, scraped his nose. Big chunk of meat came off his nose, came running down the street, blood all over his face. His mother was like, oh my God, you're killing our children. No. And I was like, calm down, hon. We mopped it up. Next week, same bike, same kid, same, same sidewalk, right over the top again. Same chunk of meat right off the top. Even dug it even deeper. You know, he looks okay today. He's not too bad. So, 
Why? Because we don't have to worry about this if God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. We have stuff built. I understand things go wrong, but we have stuff built on the inside of us. We, we need to chillax a little bit about all the death-defying things we learn in life. This is the point of, of, of our life. If you trust Jesus, He's with you every step of the way. Practicing our faith should be so. So I remember every time my son, this is where I was going with this long story, every time my son would come back with blood, my wife would shriek. Shriek, is that the right word? Shriek. She'd be like, ah! I'm like, you're not breeding confidence in our son by shrieking at the hideousness of his figure as he walks in. You need to practice a little faith. It's okay to leave the room and shriek over there. Just tell him it was a mouse or something, but don't shriek in his face. We have to believe. We have to mop up the blood, say it's okay, go out there and try it again. Really, that's life is is for the tough. Isn't it? How many I was complaining to the Lord. You ever do that? Complain to the Lord? complained to the Lord the other day and I was like, Lord, this has been a hard year for people in our congregation. And uh, if you've gone through something really, really hard this year, raise your hand. <laughs> I knew that. Uh, in fact, I think some of you are holding back. I have to be quite honest. I, I'm just like, Lord, these people are going through so much. What's up with that? What's up with that? I want to know, God. We have to have a grasp of the doctrines. We have to be practicing our faith. That means we have to be not worried. We have to walk in faith. We have to be seeing the invisible audience. We have to see the invisible audience that no one can see. The one who's watching everything that you do. Man, the Holy Spirit was so convicting me as I said this, wrote this down. See the invisible audience. Yeah. Jesus saw you before you came to church. You remember, for some of us it's been a while, but I remember we would be like, I don't care. You, you, just get the kids. Just get the kids in the car. Get the kids in the car. We're running late. The service is about to start. We've got to go worship Jesus. We've got to go learn the word. Just get them in. I don't care. You sit down in the back seat. Don't make me kill you on the way to church. You remember those times when you're going to church and you get the kids, you duct tape them all in the seat and everything, and they're all safe, and you drive over to church, you park in the parking lot, and then you get out, and you're like, hey, praise the Lord, brother, how's things going? <laughs> as, as, if, as if Jesus wasn't there at your house. Right? Oh, man, God's just really doing some great stuff. Get out of there, kids, before I kill you. Come on, come on get out of here. Run along to your class. Right, get along to your class. Oh, the kids just love coming to church. Yeah, the kids just love coming to church. Hearts are so full of Jesus, you know. We, we, we have that weird thing that we do. Right? Pull up in front of the 
church to get our parking spot and some brother in the Lord takes our spot. And we're like, ah, oh, that dirty son of a the son of God, that dirty son of God. We have to serve with an eye to the invisible. God watches over us. It makes all the difference in the world in how you live your life. If we come in, having lived this way, and now all of a sudden we flip-flop around, and now we're Christian Joe over here. And now, as Christian Joe, we come in, praise the Lord, how you doing? Good. Oh, God bless you, sister. All these things. But that's not how we live our life. Then that means we've put on a mask. That's what the Greek word hypocrite means. Hypocritus. To have a face over your face. To have a mask on. It's a term they use for actors. It's an indictment of us. I'm not saying we want you to spank your children in church. That's not what I'm saying. I remember one time I came out of my office and there was a guy who had his kid up against the wall. And I was like, wow. Then I, I, At first I was kind of impressed. i got to be honest, I was kind of impressed. I'm like, this guy don't care where he is. He's disciplining his child, you know. And probably I would have whacked that kid hard too one time. But then I saw his feet weren't on the floor. I was like, hey, bro, what's going on, man? You know, you know set your son down. You know. We, we need to kind of rein it in. We need to keep ourselves together. It's hard to be an adult in today's society. It's harder yet to be a Christian adult in today's society. To act responsibly. It takes training. Let me ask you this question. We could go through a bunch of this stuff, but let me ask you this question because time is running out. The battery on this thing's fading. If it fades out before the end of the sermon, I just keep preaching until they get me a new battery. No, us. Is everything the New Testament calls a sin completely out of bounds for you? Right? Before you answer the question, everything the New Testament calls a sin. Is that out of bounds for you? You say, yeah, I won't do that. I won't do that. Training ourselves to be godly. You ever, you ever do something? When I was a youngster, I took taekwondo. You know, in your mind. When you're 15 or 16 and you're, you've, you're Bruce Lee. In your head, right? Right? And you are, you are so lightning fast. Right? And then someone shows you a film of you, and it looks like a 70-year-old man bending over to pick up a grape. You know, that's what it's like, yeah. And you realize you think you you you're better than you are. You need something to reflect back at you. That's why all these guys that are working out are doing it in front of a mirror because training has to do with form and repetition and muscle memory and all, all this. When you're training, how, how do I get to be forbearing? You know what forbearing is? It's a word we don't like in the church. It means to put up with other people's stuff. 
Right, we don't like that. No, they should put up with mine, but I shouldn't have to put up with theirs. We, but forbearing, we, we, how, do you, how do you get really good at that? You do it a lot. Right? How do you get good at forgiveness? You have to be sinned against many times. Man, God is working something in us, right? He's like, man, this, this, my life is hard because I keep having to forgive people. That's what Peter was saying. How many times? Seventy times seven? Yes. Yes, Peter's son. If you do this 490 times, you will be a good forgiver. That's what Jesus is saying. Wow, He's trying to train us. It's a training issue. All this stuff you're going through, the stuff that that we think is hard, is training us to react rightly. Guy cuts you off on the way home from church. You just had a hallelujah meeting at the front of the church. You're like, oh, God's so full of the Holy Ghost. What are you? You're cut off, and right now, all of a sudden, you turn into road rage, right? And God is trying to show you you're, there's, a, there's something broken on the middle of the, there's a membrane inside of you that makes this part of you holy and this part of you not so holy. And the only way for there to be integrity between the two halves of your life is if you train that out of your life. You have to train that out of your life. Wait. A boxer will spar with one guy for a while, right? And this guy, he'll fight this guy for a while, maybe because his upcoming opponent has this kind of a style, right? But all of us who ever watched whatever Rocky it was when he changed to a south, from a southpaw to a, when he fought, was that Rocky one? My Rocky expert over here. Rocky two? Three, somebody says? Two, three? Who give me who give me three? Who give me three? Three, three, who give me three? Who give me anyway, whichever one of those Rockies, all of a sudden, all of a sudden Rocky switches. Well he didn't, he just didn't go, and then I'll do, you know, I'll go right-handed. You know? He had to practice that. It's it's, it's his offhand. He he had to he had to convince his mind to work a different way. That's exactly what renewing of your mind is in the spirit. Right? You're used to doing it this way. But now God says, you can't slap your kid on the head like that and tell him he's an idiot. And then you have to say, son, Jesus loves you and so do I. And I want you to do it differently. That's what training is. It's unpleasant, but necessary. And repetitious. And hard. Over. And over. And over again. Man, isn't it great to be a Christian? Wait, where do we get the part where God gives us a brand new Cadillac? That's next week. This week we're talking about training to be godly. God wants us to have that within us. So we have the disciplines of the body. Remember, uh, remember watching, if you're a fight guy, you maybe watched uh, Ali when he was fighting and he used the rope-a-dope. Remember the rope-a-dope? That was a strategy that he had going into the fight. His strategy, he was a tactical genius, but his strategy was that he was going to 
throw a couple punches, and then use the ropes to bounce out so he could get outside of those long mittens that, that who was that, Foreman? Huh? Foreman? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I think it was Foreman, because he had a long arm. So, that, so he was bouncing outside. That was his... But did you ever watch, if you've ever watched the fight, they come back to the corner every three minutes, and their, their corner man tells them, listen, remember the plan. Remember the plan. This is the plan. You've got to work the plan. We've, gotta, we've got this all designed. It's going to work. You're getting this guy. But you've got to work the plan. Bing! You've got to go out there and fight again. Right? That's exactly... And so you're out there and trying to remember the plan. What's the plan? plan is stay away from that guy who's going to kill me over there. That's what the plan is. Right? Isn't that the plan? You're, you're to attain the plan. I'm, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to fight inside. I'm going to take, because you've got those long arms, you could, I'll get right in and I'll give him one of these, like this here, these short little jabs. Remember, Tyson was good. You get one of those from Tyson, you never forget that, right? So, you, you, the little jabs like that, or, or from the outside, tonk, and then back away, you know. A couple of pops on the nose like that will make you think about your mom. So then, then you get all those things. Oh, you you got to work your plan. And then, after a few minutes, bing, you're sitting on the stool again, and somebody's going, you're not on the plan! Doesn't it sound like church? Bing! Sunday at noon. Now you're back out. Okay, okay, devil trying to kill me. Right here in the church parking lot. Yeah, I said, bob and weave, bob and weave, bob and weave, bob and weave, till next Sunday. Ding, sit down. Pastor comes out. You're not working the plan! Right? Isn't that what it is? It says, you're not working the plan. Go out there working the plan. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. I'm fighting them. I always listen to those things that they say. You, you got to stay away from them. Got to stay away from them. But I got to hit them in the face too. So I don't know how that's going to happen. You know, that, this is war we're in. And then next week, ding, you're so glad to hear the bell. Oh God, just bring me back in the corner. You get in the corner, you're not working the plan. This is what the Scripture is for, to remind us the plan is to keep fighting. You've got to keep fighting. We talked about it the other day. We were talking about the schemes of the devil and all that the devil is trying to do. It has, he's not original. It's the same nine, ten things that he's been trying to do for all this time. He's, he's trying to do the same things to you, to discourage you, to pull you down. His work is to do that. And if you don't have a plan like the rope-a-dope, if you don't have a plan to get in tight where you can just go in there and, and get right in, you're, then you're going to get messed up. We need to develop self-control. That's what discipline does. It develops self-control. Self-control is the ability to have five beef sandwiches available to you, but only to eat one. <laughs> Self-control is the ability to say no to that. Say no, not that. I'm in training. I'm in training. I'm busy training myself to be godly. Remember, the point of a test is so that you'll keep learning. You're supposed to be learning. And you can't ask questions in the middle of a test. Right? You don't think some of those fighters are like, hey, this doesn't seem to be working. What do you think we should do now? 
They're thinking that, but they're not doing that. Because this is the test. This is where all you've learned, all you've studied, everything you've done, every bit of physicality that you've been able to put, all your endurance is in this ring right now. You don't get to ask questions right now. And that ring man only gets a minute when you're sitting on the stool to splash a little water in your face, take that thing out of your mouth, wash it off again, and tell you you're doing a good job or you're doing a lousy job to remember to plan and keep working to plan. Ding! Go out there! And we're in the middle of the plan and we're saying, I can't hear God. I don't know what's going on. It's because you're in the middle of the test. What kind of a teacher would say, start answering questions in the middle of the test? Imagine you're taking an algebra test. Well, let's not talk about algebra because I don't know anything about algebra. But let's talk about history. And you're, you're, you're look down at your thing, you're like, Europe? Why are we taking a test on Europe? The teacher would just tell you, be quiet and take the test. Right? She wouldn't say, well, because many people came from Europe, European forefathers, and we came over on ships, and oh, Nina Pinta Santa Maria. You know, that's not what would happen. She just wouldn't say anything. Right? When you're in the middle of a test, God doesn't say stuff. He keeps it quiet. And you're, you're having to go by what you already know. <laughs> that is, I remember this guy when I was in my Taekwondo class. He said, okay, I want you to stand this way. Keep your knee bent like this. And, and, and he stood right there. He said, I want you to stand right there. Keep your knee bent. Bend your knee. And I said, okay. So then eventually I would kind of relax. My knee would come up and he would kick me in the groin. This guy is on my side. This is a guy. This is my teacher. Thank you, Sensei. Ugh. Guard your groin. Okay. We can go on a little more. Guard your groin, huh? Boom. Guard your groin. I didn't get much out of Taekwondo, but I guard my groin everywhere I go. Why? Because, because. You learn, that's how you learn. Pain is part of the educational process. Right? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for pain. I'm learning so much, Lord. We need to develop self-control. We need to be learning and learning and learning. All physical training is about is breaking boundaries. Bringing you to the point where you say, I can't do that, and then to break that boundary where you can do it. To push you to the point. Spiritual stuff is about taking you to the point of where you say, I can't prophesy. I can't hear answers from God. I can't, and then to put you in a place where you've got to prophesy, where you've got to hear the answer from God, where you've got to step out in faith, where you've got to do those things. And as you break that boundary, you've got now new territory to, to develop. That's what training and godliness is doing. It's developing this stuff. You're overcoming fear. You're overcoming discouragement. You're overcoming this, this thing that tears you down in the presence of the Lord instead of builds you up. God wants you to know who you should be. And you're renewing your mind so you're beginning to think like Jesus thinks, not like you think. You're beginning to learn things. You become obsessively allegiant to the Lord. Just like people who are training 
always running, training, boxing in the air. Those people, people like me look at them and go, that guy's kind of freakish about that, right? Always running around in little circles in the park over there. I have a guy in our park, haven't seen him for a while though, but he's like, does that Tai Chi thing, you know, where they, it's like slow motion karate. I don't know, I don't know anything about it, but it's a, he's like, snatching the world's slowest bird that keeps changing directions on him. You know that guy? The guy's out there every morning in his slippers. I'm like, man, if he ever catches that darn bird, we'll never see. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he caught the bird. And now he's... Anyway, so he's always trying to catch... He's, it's all this discipline about his muscle moves and stuff, and he's stepping around in his slippers out there. And I'm looking at that going... I would not give up my first cup of coffee in the day for that. That's, that's for sure. I would not do that. That's freakish. If you're being spiritually uh, disciplining, disciplining yourself spiritually, if you're growing in godliness, you should expect that people around you will say you're a freak. Don't you think you're getting a little too, into this, too much into this Jesus thing? This Bible reading thing, this Bible study thing, this going to Bible college online thing. This all... Don't you think that's too much? Don't you think it's a little excessive? It's a little obsessive? Don't you think you're obsessed with Jesus? Imagine somebody finding that to be negative. Oh, I'm so obsessed with Jesus. Yes, I'm sick like that. We have to be willing to embrace radical changes in our life if we're going to go through godliness. It's training into godliness. We go, and, we go work out at the gym. We buy new clothes, new shoes. We pay a membership fee. We're willing to go through radical changes to do that. Why do we think it's too much for that to happen to us in the spiritual realm? should be willingness to do that. And then there should be this identity that's pressed upon us. Boxers come out, I'm, I'm stuck on boxers. Boxers come out with this cape, especially when they're champions, right? They come out with this, this cape, and it says, stitched on the back of the cape, it says, the champion. Right? The champion. Now, do you think that guy doesn't know he's the champion? He didn't wake up in the morning and go, I mean, they, they get hit in the head a lot, but I mean, he didn't wake up in the morning and go, who am I again? Let me grab my robe and see. Oh, I am the champion. Let me put that on. It's to remind him and everyone around him of his, his identity. There should be something on the inside of us that calls us to rally to our spiritual identity when we're in training. When we're about ready to go into the, the, the battle, we need to remind ourselves, this is who I am. I am a child of the living God. I am God's Son. Today in my devotions in Ephesians chapter 3, it says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Listen, listen, don't shut off right there. Above all we ask or think according to His power that is at work within us. Oh man, that lit a fire in me this morning. It got me right up off the edge of the bed. His power is working on the inside of us. Who am I again? I'm the one in whom God's power is working on the inside of. 
I'm the king, I'm the champion. That's who I am. Recognizing that's who we are. Developing, developing godly habits. Developing godliness in our heart. Making sure that that godliness is not just on one side of our life, but permeating into all the areas of our life. Having fun with it, by the way. Recognize that's of eternal benefit and of eternal value, and it's more important than anything else in your life. That's really the truth. So we strive, he says. Verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive. That we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. We've put our hope in the living God, and we labor, and we strive, and we push forward. The Lord showed me this week that bearing fruit is not a passive thing. For some reason, we go into the orchard and we see the trees and they don't look like they're doing very much. And it leads us to this false conclusion that really what God wants us to do, us to do is stand there and bear fruit. But the reality of it is, those trees are doing a lot. The sun is so hot. It's beating on them all day long. They barely have enough leaves to shade themselves. Then the rains pour down. And the root system has to gobble as much moisture as it possibly can, can to take in while it's just standing there in order to bear fruit. It's got to pull in that moisture so they can have the fruit. It's just stand- And then the winds blow. And then it's blowing to one side or the other. And the winds are breaking branches off. And then... And then the fruit finally begins to come and then the birds come down from the heavens and they begin to pick at the fruit. And, 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 that, and then the, the pests and the, and the bugs begin to eat at the very fruit. Think about it. It is not passive. They are fighting for every square inch. Of fruit. Every miracle without a worm. Every apple without a worm is a miracle. Every pear without a worm in it is a miracle. Because somehow that tree has, has been able to keep pests and pestilence away from that, that thing. It, bearing fruit as a Christian, which is what we've been talking about all year, bearing fruit is not some simple passive thing. You have to be actively engaged in pulling in nutrients and protecting yourself from the sun and the wind and the rain and all these things and finding nutrition and finding... finding you have to have that going on in your life. It is not automatic. It is not, take it from a guy who's planted trees and watched them die for years. It is not automatic. Years ago, six years ago, I planted a peach tree. First year, it was just a little fingerling, maybe about two feet tall. And a deer came and ate the top of that peach tree. Ate about six inches off the top. If you're, 12, if you're 24 inches tall and a deer comes and eats the first six inches of you off, that's a significant loss, I think. 
I built a fence around it. It got a little bigger. It began to blossom. I thought, okay, we don't need the fence anymore. I took the fence down, and a buck came in that next year and rubbed his antlers all over the side of that tree, stripped the bark down the side of that tree. Then I had to wrap the tree and fight it to make sure that the tree was going to be able to push through that. Back goes the fence. Now the fence was just two weeks ago is down there. The fence had been on there so long that the branches had grown through the fence. I had to cut the fence off of the tree. But this year, this year, after battling all the pestilence and the bugs and all the heat down there, the 100 degree heat in the summer, every day after day, and the torrential rains and a hurricane or a tornado and all these other things, after doing all that, she gave me a peach. She gave me a peach. Fruit. I was so happy I cried. Literally. All that work for one peach. Wasn't even really very good, but okay, it's okay. I say this. You don't think God, your husbandman, the gardener of your soul, you don't think He's saying, okay, they're beat up this week. We'll put a hedge of protection around them this week so they can survive from the thing that tried to kill them last week. And we'll bring new water and we'll try to, we'll try to temper the environment a little bit and we'll try to make them stronger, give them a root system that will hold on in the middle of a tornado so they can go through all that stuff because they need it. And I love it. Fruit. Fruit that will last. That's what God wants out of our life. Train yourself to be godly. We have got to be more than passive sitters. We've got to be active growers. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you're blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.